Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Side Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak with marketing leaders and share insights to help brands and business leaders navigate the ever-changing marketing landscape and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. Welcome to this podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My name is Dr. Nikki Morley. I'm the host for today. And I'm delighted to be joined by Shafik Saba, who is Global Lead for Frontend Innovation at Halion. We were recently chatting around his point of view on innovation um, for our new guide, The Innovator's Advantage. And I just felt I wanted to chat more to Shafik and give him the opportunity to share his wisdom with others. So Shafik, welcome. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm firstly flattered you say wisdom, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> uh, very, very nice to uh, chat with you, Nikki. Um, so uh, I head up something called Frontend Innovation at Halion, a company that most people don't know the name of, but we were until recently called GlaxoSmithKline Consumer Healthcare. So, uh, and you'll probably more know us as Brands like Voltar and Sensdyn, Acfresh, Panadol, Centrum. These are everyday healthcare brands that, that many of us use. So um, I head up something called Frontend Innovation. That's essentially um, a small but global team that help all of our global brands and some of our local brands basically develop new product ideas, largely product, but increasingly service ideas to, uh, yeah, in, in the world of healthcare and self-care. Brilliant. And um, before that, I'd had some time in the automotive industry and innovation consulting, but I've been doing this this gig for quite a while now. <laughs> so you're a seasoned professional in the innovation space, and, and those are some great, strong brands. And what we know at Kansar is that history shows us that in difficult times, those who keep on innovating win. You know, our, our brandsy data tells us that brands that are sort of meaningful and different and innovate grow seven times faster than the competition. But on everybody believes in the power of innovation. So at Halion... Do you believe in the power of innovation to ensure growth? 100% yes. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let, let's be honest, you, you can't grow selling the same old stuff to the same old people, um, expecting those people to buy even more of you. Uh, it just doesn't work. So for us and for me, the keystone to growing any business is really the flow of new ideas that I think they either do one of two things. They 
in healthcare, we talk a lot about solving problems, and that's that's fine, and that's the sort of bread and butter of healthcare. You've got a cold, you've got a sore knee, you've got a headache, whatever it is, you know, we will solve that problem. The other thing that often gets forgotten actually is people buy stuff because they want to, not because they need to. So it's that sort of delight and entertainment. And you look at some of the fastest growing categories during the pandemic as an example, where sort of you know subscription services and entertainment and the double-digit growth of seeing in gaming and unfortunately sometimes delicious but not healthy foods you know these are often categories that are experiencing growth because people want that stuff so for me the key of growing any business is that flow of new ideas that solves stuff or delights and entertains people and, and it goes across all industries you know insurance that leaves your family feeling safe and protected is so much better than something that's just the cheapest or um, you know a healthcare product you can actually feel working not just some sort of false marketing toothpaste that promises white teeth that never really quite happens so I see it as the oil um, that, that that grows our our, our brands and our, our companies and, and companies that do it well you know the results speak for themselves because it's sustainable absolutely so tell me a bit about your innovation philosophy my innovation philosophy is is all about design thinking and that is not a new concept it's a bit like uh, i guess in marketing and business there are buzzwords that go around and for many years it was insight and everyone had a different definition of what that was what that was and i think design thinking is a is a conversation that i've observed happening in the last couple of years and is a bit of a buzzword certainly in the area of growth it is and a lot of people don't truly appreciate it and yet we've all been doing elements of it for years so really it all starts unsurprisingly, with the consumer or person. I hate the word consumer. It sounds transactional. Um, I think of people, not consumers. I know I'm not the only one out there, but humans, yeah, human feels a bit scientific, doesn't it? Um, people, people like stuff. Um, so yeah, it all starts with people. And, and from that, ideas will flow sequentially. Um, but in reality, the process is a bit more iterative. You do need to obsess and step into people's shoes and immerse and understand and all those sort of ethnographic, virtual, in, in real um, exercises. But people can't tell you what they don't know. And for my sins, I did spend, in the later stage of my career, be, becoming a qual researcher while doing sort of innovation strategy and ideation because I really wanted to understand people. Uh, and I And as many experienced core researchers will have been telling us for years people can't tell you what they don't know and often struggle to articulate how they feel about stuff and so you know yes it starts with spending time really really understanding but often discoveries are sort of happen through mistakes or indirect you know penicillin or <clears throat> a glue that didn't work that resulted in post-it notes or you know there are myriad examples of that um so yes starting with insight is really important but um where I get really excited and where my teams and my projects get really energized actually is you usually when you throw stuff into that that learning so it could be science for us you know understanding the physiology of the body the body's incredible and what nature has done around it and I think subjects like biomimicry and all of that stuff is fascinating to inspire us um, and and start to challenge the area of what an insight might be or even obsessing about um, what your competition are doing um, uh, to, but not your most direct competition, you know, indirect, parallel categories, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, I love the fact, you know, like SMS so that we use all, all the time came from a group of engineers 30 years ago sending Christmas cards, digital Christmas cards <laughs> to each other, um, you know, and, and that, that sort of philosophy uh, has, to, has, to, has to start for it all. So, yeah, it's all about design thinking, and I think if you want to know more, either, either sort of read up on the IDEO company philosophy and 
innovation by design and books like that or actually the british design council have some great texts that get get your teams going on on the double diamond approach to design thinking but it won't be an epiphany it's like we've all been doing this stuff for yeah. years i think what yeah. what good design thinking does is it just structures it in a really intuitive simple creative pr disciplined process i like that i like the fact it gives you you think about giving it it gives you structure and i, I like that idea of sort of that interplay between sort of insight and science and, and actually you pick up on a really important point about obsessing about the competition too frequently people do not consider that and i liked what you said about the indirect competition as well too often people think their competition is staring them in the face so uh, a really nice definition of your philosophy yeah i was lucky to recently attend the ces conference the consumer electronics show in um in of all places las vegas and i'd not been before um and it just blew my mind. Um, not because all of it was relevant. You know, a lot of my team that I've been talking with are going, that's interesting, but I don't know what to do about that. And, and as you often get, but just that the intellectual capital in that massive conference around what could be done. And obviously not every idea that we saw is a good idea and there'll be the huge amounts of, sort of stuff that isn't successful, but just the, just you know, surround yourself with creativity and inspiration and the art of the possible and innovation. Be obsessing about innovation out there, I think is really, really key. I love the phrase, fueling your imagination. Sometimes I think the role of insight is to really fuel the imagination. So thinking now, obviously you've talked about doing things sort of slightly differently. And, and what I love is uh, we've recently done some analysis at Cantar, sort of with the Side Business School that shows that difference really makes the difference. Normal stock market returns come from those who sort of really use innovation as the foundation for driving difference. You know, you've talked a little bit already, but what, what do you think that you do differently to be better at innovation and get better outcomes than perhaps the competition? Firstly, we love it. It's really good fun. <laughs> but um, I must stress that, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there who whinge about their jobs, who don't enjoy their jobs. And um, luckily, I can say, pretty much say, yes, it gets <laughs> interesting and political at times and you have good days and bad days. But the, the enjoyment that me and my team have and the teams that we are, we're lucky to, to work with is, is just so much fun so um there is definitely that the emotional side of that but um gone are the days of let's all meet next tuesday grab some gummies sit on bean bags and do some ideation right uh, and don't worry we'll get the food for you and you don't need to do any preparation and it'll be easy right um, i mean actually good ideation is easy but that's another subject in its own right gone are those sort of let's meet for a workshop next tuesday um to do that, I think most design thinking pro projects and anyone who's been doing design thinking for a while will be nodding at this point. Um, they, they basically spend more time upfront defining the problem you're trying to solve. And so every single project without fail starts with us facing a business challenge. You know, I want to premiumize X brand. I want to make Y brand more accessible in Latin America. I've got a competitive threat on Z brand, whatever they might be. Um, and they're business issues, but people, not consumers, remember, people don't care about business issues. They just care about the stuff they're using that you're, you're selling to them, I guess. So we really spend a lot of time just trying to translate that business problem into why would a person care about it? And that's iterative. It's iteratively interrogating insight, physiology, science, competition, all the stuff I was talking about before. But in the sort of classic design thinking way, turning a business objective and challenge into a series of how might we statements um, that, that you can then ideate off. Um, a good example might be that 
you know, that we've all lived through is sort of post-pandemic, people are much more aware of their immune system. And we've got a few brands in respiratory health, like Beecham's in the UK and Theraflu and other markets that are obviously relevant to that. You know, you don't, if you get a flu or a cold, that's all in the area of, of, of immunity. But they don't understand this sort of a human nature oxymoron that they, they're aware of it, but they don't understand the need until it becomes salient. So, and maybe when your kids go back to school and they bring all those germs home or you're about to get on a flight finally, um, you're worried about who you might be sitting next to for seven hours. So what might start off with a simple brief, like how can I grow Beecham's or Theraflu, might turn into how might we strengthen pe- um, people's immune systems to help prevent them getting a cold or reduce some of the effects or speed up the recovery or whatever. So we spend, and, and those statements are very, very, a lot of time in crafting goes into making those statements because it's not just about what different to competition, what people want. It's got to be founded on genuine physiology. It's got to be founded on real science or real insight. And it's just a blending of all of those things. Uh, and, and it's not my words. It's obviously the, the legendary Simon Sinek, but we're trying to turn from a, a what into a, a why. Um, and that's, that's the value there. Secondly, remembering people often don't know what they don't know. So um, maybe it's the ex-engineer in me, but I I do believe with innovation, science is absolutely pivotal. Not all innovation, clearly, but um, people who know me know I obsess about things like TRIZ. I was just talking about CES and adjacent technologies. And gosh, you know, I've come back from a a week over there um, looking at the explosion in predictive technology that is sensing us all around and how much more your mobile phone's camera can sense now your pulse, your heart rate variability, correlate that to stress and sleep and all sorts of exciting stuff and how AI predictive algorithms are sort of using real-world behavior to predict what's about to happen, whether it be weather or behavior or healthcare or whatever, and just make our lives just that easier, a bit more delightful. So, so you know, science that inspires us is, is a really, really key thing, and you, you just need teams that are balanced enough to, to obsess a bit with that. So I think that's a, hopefully a bit of, <laughs> I've not gone off on one, but uh, a bit about how, how, we, how we do it. No, no, that was, that was amazing. There, there was a lot in there. And, um, and I love the idea of this sort of balance, getting the balance between sort of, um, you know, pe- people in tech and getting that sort of balance right. And the idea of sort of why somebody might care about, why a person might care. Picking up on that point of sort of <laughs> innovation does not equal ideation. And actually, in our Innovators Advantage booklet, we, we talk about that a lot, that it's really important to sort of build from strong foundations. And I, and I think that's really important. And in our guide, we, you know, when, when you and I were talking to input into that guide, what I really liked was this idea, the importance of sort of building from a strong brand strategy, building from those strong foundations. Um, can you say more about the idea? And actually, you said it yourself, not every idea is a good idea. In fact, not every idea is a good idea for your brand either. So can you say a little bit more about, because I know you had a real passion for this idea that sort of strong brand strategy is just so important a foundation to build from. Yeah, like insight strategy is another fat word that means different (laughs) things to different people. Um, I think with innovation, given the time, effort, resource, money, you know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, hours spent crafting this stuff. Um... Without a clear innovation strategy, you are doomed to fail before you start. Fact. I'll yeah. say it again. Without a clear innovation strategy, do do not start a project. So then, of course, you've got to have a common understanding about what you think a clear innovation strategy is and look, what it looks like. So um, my perspective on this, I'm sure there are some very smart people who've written HBR articles on this, but my, my perspective on what makes for a clear innovation strategy is um, has the following elements of it. As a, a clear brand purpose, a sort of your North Star, essentially, a sense of what your business stands for, that should give you a, an intuitive feeling for the guardrails, the boundaries of what the brand is and isn't. Innovation projects test it, and that's a healthy thing to have because business is dynamic and brands are dynamic and the world we're in changes and all that sort of stuff. So innovation by nature of what it's doing and ideation should challenge it, but you've got to start with a, a vector. Yeah, direction you're going in. The next thing would be really clear understanding of your current audiences and your growth audiences. And most businesses that I've had the pleasure of either consulting to or working in are very good at knowing about who buys their products today. And they usually, not always, but usually have blind spots around the people who are not buying you. It's either too hard or there's more growth to get with you know, repeat purchase or trading up with the existing users. But actually if you if you believe in you know, Byron Sharp's analysis and whether you do. I don't want to open that can of worms because there's good arguments for and against. But if you've at the fundamental growth stage, say you've got people who are buying you, you need to protect those and you need to innovate with them occasionally so you don't lose your core. But you also need to grow with new people. And so really the obsessing about those two audiences and then the needs that they have coming off it. Um, and then something I think that's really important is the DNA of what, what makes you different and better. I do remember Emma Wormsley, who's our who's now the head of GlaxoSmithKline Pharma and was the head of the two companies that were together before. Whenever we used to meet her uh, in her early days when she was in our consumer business, um, whatever you're presenting to her, she would ask you one question, what makes that different and better? Which was the right question, yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of why we, I don't know, I, I met up with a whole lot of friends I've not seen for, for many years uh, this weekend and we we're all talking about stuff we do and sharing stuff that really interests us. And it was usually stuff that was different and better. Obviously relevant, that's implicit, but different and better. And um, that's where I think coming back to the science conversation is really important, but re being really clear. So, you know, take Sensodyne. If you ask in any of the 120 plus countries where we sell Sensodyne, what makes Sensodyne, Sensodyne, they'll tell you two words, it works. And that's usually because the science works, and that's usually because the science works, de dentists recommend it because it's the one that works. So that's what makes Sensodyne different and better because it works. And then the final thing, so you've got kind of a purpose, you've got clear audiences and their needs, what makes you different and better. And then I think the final thing is cadence. And this is critically important, important for two reasons. So cadence, the rhythm, the pace of your big innovations versus your small innovations, your your major leaps versus your more incremental commercial ones. Um, meaningful in, for two reasons then it's important. I think 
meaningful innovation takes time. You know, you've got to engineer stuff. You've got to get regulatory approval for stuff. You've got to buy stuff. It takes time to do proper step changes. Um, but that's at a, a sort of contradictory tension to the business appetite for growth tomorrow. Yeah, so you have this implicit challenge of balancing short-term commercial needs with long-term business ambitions. Um, and short-term goals will often undermine the longer-term investment required. And so you need to proportionally plan for both. So that's the first thing. And then the second reason why it's critical, and we experience this a lot at Halion, is um, big companies are complex. You know, we have tens of thousands of people in hundreds of markets. And having clear roles of who's responsible for which types of innovation is key. So usually more heavily resourced, more widely functionally resourced global teams will work on the trickier, complex stuff. Um, and, and that might involve new, you know, take a liquid medicine and turn it into a tablet or a nasal spray or some, something that involves a lot of engineering, new regulatory approvals and stuff like that. Whereas local markets have a, a different PL time frame. They're focused on the 12 months or three years, let's say. And, and so they can innovate creatively around claims that may not need. It's as important, right, as important to maintain your current piece and fight off competition and be seasonal, you know, seasonal claims around back to school, get your kids ready, for, get your kids' immune system ready before they go back to school, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think in summary, a strategy needs to have a sense of vector and purpose, clear audiences and their needs, what makes you different and better, and, um, and a cadence so that we can all plan and work efficiently. Love it. Love it. Especially this idea of what makes you different and better. I think that is the right question to ask of, of, of any innovation. That's sort of a great description of sort of, you know, starting from those strong foundations, starting that strong ground foundation. And we've also talked about the idea that sort of, you know, it isn't all just about innovation. But one of the challenges can be is keeping a good, well, first of all, getting rid of the bad ideas pretty quickly. But actually, the more important thing is ensuring those good ideas can stay alive throughout that journey, throughout that innovation process. What's your point of view about how Halion sort of manages ideas through the innovation process? We've talked about the beginning. Now, tell me a bit more about the sort of the sort of the, the latter part of that. Once you've started to get those good ideas, how do you keep them alive and, and then out the door? Yeah, and maybe it comes back to what makes you different and better, because implicit in the in that statement is an idea of a need, a need or an unmet need or a want, a desire. I bore my teams with this, but we often talk about the elevator pitch. I'm going to quote another book. Where is he? Chip, Chip and Dam Heath, Made to Stick. They, 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 old book now, but um, luckily met those two guys many years ago. That elevator pitch is absolutely key. It gives everyone something to really focus on. It distills the complexity and all the different layers of your ideas into sort of an emotive benefit-led pitch that was hopefully only five or six words long. Um, I was lucky enough many years ago to work on Senstein, and one of our biggest successes was a product called Repair and Protect. Um, and and there were so many things you could say about the insight, about the science, about how it works. It does this, it does that, it does this, it does that. We distilled it into the idea of it was the world's first toothpaste that could actually repair sensitive teeth. And that was it. It was all you needed to know. And that product took a couple of years to come to market and had different teams coming in and out of it. So that, that, that elevator pitch was really, really key because everyone knew exactly what they're there to do. And whenever it got hard, as long as we held on to that word repair and as long as the design is visualized in a beautiful way and as long as the scientists showed the evidence for how deeply it repaired, fundamentally we were on brief. And, and, and the, the, you know, those were challenges worth focusing on. The elevator pitch is sort of other words that bring an idea viscerally to life. Another part of that is prototyping. Um, so um, I, mean, I had 
eight years in the car industry many, many years ago. Um, used to work at Ford. And the auto industry do this brilliantly. Um, I think also because it's easy to make prototypes. I was right? going to say, it's much easier to make prototypes in that environment. Yeah. And, you know, um, often those development times are like four to five years before the big meaningful changes in powertrain or design designs happen. And um, so moving from paper to screen to clay to drivable prototypes is key. Uh, and, and technology is, you know, you can get a pair of VR head glasses now for 300 uh, $300 or quid and you can technology is re- democratized to be easy enough to prototype and cheap enough for everyone to have on their laptop so the idea of prototyping simulation I think is key people are a bit a lot of marketeers are scared about what metaverse might mean for people and some people see it as a bit of a um, they don't really understand what it could do and I think I'd like to see a shift away from the cynicism of I'm not a gamer, therefore metaverse is not for me to actually more immersive prototyping style technologies or even running a wiki site. And, you know, many of us have done this. We've set up a site to prototype an idea to see if people will click on that idea willing enough to buy it because it's not what people say, it's what people do, right? So any form of prototyping as low res as you can in in an actual agile way of working rather than this sort of corporate desire to make everything perfect and then go and show it to people because you've just wasted so much time. So yeah, I think I think that is, that's it. Elevator pitch and prototyping would probably be the two things I'd say. Brilliant, yeah. And uh, I love this idea of sort of, of prototyping. And, and and you're right, some industries it's easier to do than others. But yeah, don't don't have to overthink it. We talk often sort of at Canto about sort of learn, test, and learn. You you build something, you try and get it into people's hands, but also to understand the context in which that sort of prototype might live as well. Any final advice and top tips you might have for people wanting to innovate? A good friend of mine always works in threes. You know who you are. You'll be out there somewhere. So I'll say, I'll say my advice will be three things. Um, so clarify the brief before you start. Design thinking works. Hire great people. They're my three bits of advice. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So I think we've talked a bit about the power of a good brief, which comes off good innovation strategy. It just makes it easier. Being as specific as you can um, up front. Innovation projects challenge the brief because you don't know what you don't know until you've gone into that journey of discovery. But at least getting as specific as you can about the audience, about the competition, about scope of what's in and out of scope. Agreeing that not every idea is a good idea and being willing to sort of you know, you know, setting the ground rules a bit and going, thank you, that's great, but not great for this brief. Um, and then something that um, one of the guys, Mark, on my team is absolutely excellent at, he's brilliant at, is um, when you haven't got all of the setup ingredients in place, be brave enough to pause. Back to something I said before, we often see on projects, we know a lot about our current buyers. We don't know enough about those that don't buy us and why. And and so that can take some bravery to, to maybe pause the project for two months to go and do some research, call a quant or both, right? So um, being really clear on the brief, um, clear on the resources, that's number one. Number two, design thinking works. So um, read up on it, do it, hire great agency partners to get you get you going. I'm blessed with some fantastic agency partners to do this. And this idea of teaching people to fish, it's very easy as an internal innovation group to I mean, to be fair, I've sometimes fallen into the trap of this, but but to kind of do it for them. It's easier sometimes to for our kids to tie their shoelaces for them rather than risk being late for school and actually get them to tie their shoelaces for the first time. So, But to be honest, you then, you then become a bottleneck for the company. And something that we struggle with, but we're doing more of, is, is capability building and teaching them to fish themselves. I think companies like Lego 
I utterly admire for this because what anyone you speak to at Lego, this is a company that's had decades of double-digit growth, right? They had a wobble, obviously a big one in 2005-06, and they reset everything. And design thinking has been absolutely pivotal for them in that. And anyone in that company gets it, right? So um, so really, and that's my ambition for Halion, is I want anyone in Halion, whether you are um, you know, keeping that box machine working in, in our plant in Maidenhead, making toothpaste, or whether you're an R&D scientist or a finance person or whoever you are, you really got to understand enough about um, what design thinking means. Um, and so, as I said, read up on British Design Council or Better by Design and stuff like that. And finally, great people internally and externally. Uh, I'm blessed to work with a really small group of, of challenging, talented internal people and external agencies that I love. And it's about the person, not the agency as well. There's a big, there's got to be a chemistry thing there and investing in that as a, we, we had a, a summit last November, um, which had my internal team and uh, members of our external agencies all there just being really honest. There was no like business development going on. It was just like what's working, what's not, really treating it as one one family. So investing, hire great people um, and investing in that. But it's such fun when you do it. And when your team go, I just love my job, as Jen, my insight lead, says, she says I just love my job. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, you know it's working. So, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. Brief, design thinking, people. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Side Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. <laughs>